This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Welcome to the 3-0 Show, part of The Athletic Baseball Show. It is Thursday, December 14th. Whole gang is here. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris, Britt Drulli, Eno powering through to the end of the year, too. The last couple of weeks of the year, when you come down with something and you've got sick days in the bank, if you show up for the podcast, that shows a level of commitment that very few people in this world are willing to rise to. Yeah. I have to be honest, I yeah. thought about not showing up. <laughs> yeah, you know, we need you. I thought about staying in bed. <laughs> uh, well, we're glad you're here and uh, powering through. And I, I wanted to ask you both a, a very general question uh, as we get started today. Do you feel like you've had enough Shohei Otani content <laughs> since this time last week? Of course, the uh, infamous flight that was tracked from Southern California to Toronto. That was last Friday. It feels like a lifetime ago. It's only been Wrong a week. guy but, on it. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you done with the deferments, the details of the contract, the, the, the opt-out clause that we learned about on Wednesday? Like, Are you sick of it or are you, are you finding this fascinating? I find it fascinating. Um I mean, I get that people are a little tired of this, but one, there's nothing else going on in free agency. If we were seeing a lot of other signings, then I think we would maybe pay less attention to this, right? Like the rest of free agency is just a slow churn right now. So it's nice to have something to talk about. I'm curious to see what he says at his press conference. Obviously, guys, it's going to slow down after this. Like there's only so much we can say and do, um, even though he's a special player, lots of crazy circumstances. I'm not over it yet. Uh, but I'm looking forward to Yamamoto signing into the rest of the offseason kind of playing out. Yeah. Well, also, you know, he doesn't give much access. So at some point, like, there won't be much to write about because he doesn't give us much. You know, like, for example, he used to only speak after starts. Well, he's not pitching next year. So uh, <laughs> hopefully he finds some other arrangement with the media that works for him. Uh, you know, but it, I, I think it's just been a fascinating thing. If you look at, uh, you know, we have access to views and, you know, if you want to look behind uh, the curtain a little bit, like people are reading, <laughs> people are clicking on this and people care about this. So uh, I don't think it's something that's just like an industry thing or whatever. And, you know, I took a big I, I thought I was taking a big L because I predicted a four hundred and fifty million dollar contract. Uh, for him and he signed a 700 million dollar contract but it's been so up and down this contract has been the gift that keeps on giving uh for example there's so many deferments 68 million dollars a year uh you know for 10 years that the net present value of this contract is actually 460 million dollars that's actually the deal he got he got a 10-year 460 million dollar deal that's uh just paid over 20 another way of looking at it is he lends you know, 44 million uh, of his contract back to the the Dodgers every year. And they agree to pay him 68 million uh, when his when he's done playing or at the end of the contract. So uh, it's just a really interesting uh, thing that has to do with, uh, you know, the, the, the money has a, a as a certain value in, in a time and that changes over time. That's called the time value of money. And then on top of that, he has a clause in there that says that he can leave anytime he wants if they get rid of uh if they get rid of the general manager or the owner so it, he kind of like uh he he got them in a death grip i mean if this contract doesn't work out like maybe somebody can be like 
goodbye everyone yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh just an amazing contract just an amazing uh story all the way through and because there was so little access it i think it exposed you know how difficult it is uh to do uh this kind of chasing sources uh, uh you know winter meetings type off-season game you know you're really relying on your rolodex you have to have multiple sources your sources have to be good and you know i think in this situation uh some of these sources ended up being almost bad actors uh that that uh ended up you know just it was kind of an unfortunate thing i think some of the the news that was on report that was reported um you know leading up to and it made a lot of blue jays fans uh sad and unhappy and i uh and i i feel bad for that yeah it was embarrassing for the industry i thought um every time something like that happens um i got a text message from uh somebody who uh you know works out with a lot of players and they said this was the talk of the workout the next day. I said, Oh, Tommy's contract. Like the, he goes, no, the way the media messed things up. Mm. So that's not great to hear. Right. And I think every year it gets a little bit harder to do our job every year. The trust between players and the media gets, you know, a little bit more eroded. And I think things like this just make us like the butt of the jokes. It makes us a laughing stock. It shows like how desperate, like you said, you know, when there's no, real info, instead of just hanging back and waiting, I think most people knew Otani's camp was going to announce this. They wanted control. Instead of <laughs> it ended up being Instagram, waiting, like Otani right. on Instagram. Like that was pretty predictable. All right. We were so, some of these people were so desperate to act like they were in the know that they just ran with stuff that was wildly inaccurate. And I think it's just really unfortunate, not only for those people, but for everybody. Because as you know, you know, the media gets lumped in. No one says like, oh, this guy's not always right, but he, you know, is like everything, everyone gets lumped into one big, the media umbrella um, by all, but maybe a small faction uh, of more informed guys. And I think it just really hurts us as an industry. It's It was really embarrassing. I know some people I thought it was funny. There were fun elements to it. But the whole, like, let's not double check our facts or let's check with people who don't know. Like, that's just a slippery slope. It's journalism 101. You know, and I think it also exposed that, um, you know, who has the real power in breaking news? It's agents. Yes. Uh, because there's no real reason for a person who works for a team to break news like this. Like, if you, you know, are texting a GM. Why would he do that until the ink was dry? There was no way that he would tell you, oh yeah, we're pretty close. (laughs) Like, oh, and then that agent could take that and be like, hey, do you see this? Blue Jay said they're really close. Mets, you want to add another $10 million on his contract? You know what I mean? So it's like, there's no front office person that wants to give you anything. The players don't want to give you anything because they're like, hey, the agent's doing this. You know, I'm just supposed to come in at the end and be like, yeah, that's good. I like that. Or or the agent's going to come to me with two or three teams that have the same deal and I get to choose a team. That's good. That's what I like. Yeah. I don't want to talk to you about this until the ink is dry. So they're really the only person that wants to kind of get news out there is the agents. And in this case, we had an agent who didn't want news out there because he had the number one prize of maybe all time. And so he said, I don't need to play this game where there's a mystery team. Ooh, a mystery <laughs> team on Otani. Like he's going to get what he wants. You know. Yeah. Uh, one, one last thing I did want to say about the contract that's interesting. There's a lot of like, discussion of like if it's bad for baseball and this and that 
I don't know. Like if you say 700 million, that seems like, oh, my God, like no team could afford that. But the Dodgers and maybe the Yankees like that's bad for baseball. But at 460, 10, 460 with deferments and we find out the Giants gave him the same offer. Like, you know, this I don't think that's necessarily bad for baseball as a contract in terms of how large it was in terms of the deferments. Like, you know, the deferments have been in the CBA for like five, six years with it says no limits on deferments. That's something that the players have been fine with. So the players and the owners like they're, they're fine with it. It's been the CBA. I don't know. It hasn't been a football. It hasn't been a thing that they've like argued about over. So I don't know about that. A lot of times it can be used. And this is the only place where I hear a little bit of criticism on this deal. The only place the way that this can be used is tax avoidance. And one way that California teams where there's the largest taxes in America, the one way that California teams can be competitive with other teams on offers is to defer or have large signing bonuses so that the people get large clumps of money when they're not in California. You get taxed where you play. So I've seen this now. I'm pretty sure this is true. He won't get taxed in California on the 68 million a year when he's done. If he's not in California, if he doesn't live in California, then he'll get the 68 million wherever he is. It's tax avoidance to some level, but I I have some sympathy for the Giants and the Dodgers and the Padres trying to get people to come to California and having to fight Texas or Florida teams that don't have the same obstacles. So, you know, it's something also that we heard the player wanted. Is it simping for ownership? Do you guys think this is like simping for ownership somehow? No. And like, listen, I think people also are like, well, this is a dangerous precedent. But what people don't realize is Otani's only able to do this because he makes 50 million off the field. Not many other players, if any other players are going to accept 97% of their contract deferred because one, they want to tell their buddies, I'm making this AAV right now. And two... They want the money. Like they don't have the $50 million in New Balance and all these other sponsorships that Otani has. So I don't think, like Max Scherzer was the most before this. He deferred 50% of his $210 million, uh, $210 million contract with the Nationals. And people thought that was a lot. But actually, if you look at his career earnings and the fact that, you know, he knew he was going to pitch after that, not that big of a deal. I don't see this becoming something where players keep constantly playing for $2 million and deferring $68 million yes. simply because they kind don't have, right, right, they don't have the other avenues. So I don't think this is quite as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. It's smart. It's a great loophole. And as we know, the Giants were willing to do it. Maybe the Blue Jays were too. It seems like teams were totally fine with this. This wasn't like a, a Dodger-only kind of deal. Yeah, it no, seems like a contract they came up with. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and part of that, it sounds like, is just the – desire to win which has been there all along it's been part of the stated what does Shohei Otani want he wants to win if you want to go to a place where you can win if you care about the weather and other factors the Dodgers made a lot of sense from the very beginning and now we're learning that Otani is part of their recruiting efforts for Yoshinobu Yamamoto and the Dodgers are just owning the news cycle right now because in addition to being in on Yamamoto and there are other teams of course that are trying to throw a big pile of money at Yamamoto. There's a rumor going around that they're trying to acquire Tyler Glass now from the Rays. And you start thinking about what that rotation looks like with Yamamoto and Glass now in it, and potentially only Ryan Pepio going back to Tampa Bay if the previously rumored and reported uh, Rays-Dodgers deal were to happen. That changes things in a hurry for this team. Now, you know, you wrote about Yamamoto a little bit earlier in the week. This is frontline stuff by 
every measurable thing we can see from what he has done to this point in his career. Yeah, we were uh, fortunate to have him pitch in the WBC with a, a more American ball. That's a Rawlings ball. It's not pre-tacked like the Japanese ball. So we got um, pretty much uh, close to MLB situation. We got to see the movement and velocity on his pitches. And it's basically uh, something that might turn out to be one of the two, one or two best splitters in baseball uh, right away. Uh, we're talking about a top 10th percentile uh, fastball and a top 10th percentile curveball. So if you want to imagine... A Kevin Gossman with an elite curveball. Uh, I think that's that's where you start, and and you have like elite command as well. So it's really an intense package. It's really exciting. The only uh, really asterisk, um, and I and I have some more details on this in the story, is just <clears throat> sorry, it's <laughs> I'm drying up. Um, it's just his uh, he's uh, he's short, and short pitchers short you know short pitchers have gone to the IL more often in the past. And uh, so there's some injury concern, but his injury list is pristine. Uh, I can see why people wanted. I, I'm just personally, I don't know if I'm just a little bit more risk averse. I've been having conversations with risk about with people that are in the business world and some companies outside baseball actually embrace risk because embracing risk is, is an opportunity to kind of break past where you are you kind of have to take risks to kind of jump into the next stratosphere basically. And so, but I'm a little bit risk averse, like the idea of giving someone anything close to the Garrett Cole deal without getting, you know, Garrett Cole is, he's large, you know, he's, he's never been like really almost never been hurt. He's shown excellent results before you give him $300 million. Right. And those are not necessarily things that are true for Yamamoto. So I'm a little bit nervous about like a $300 million price tag. Uh, but the stuff looks legit. Well, isn't it really a confluence of events that's going to allow this to be potentially a 300 million? Like if this was another off season, perhaps we're talking about a lower price tag. I mean, he's not only is he 25 years old, but what people are missing is that so many teams need pitching. So and there's just not that many great options. So I think that is what really has driven the price up because don't you guys remember early on in the winter, people were talking about, oh, will Yamamoto get $200 million? And the price keeps climbing, right? Because people just are now realizing that, you know, they don't have any pitching, that half the teams in the league probably need a starter. And, you know, you look at a guy like Blake Snell, and there's some concern there about command, about being able to go deep into games consistently. And you look at a guy like Yamamoto, and with the technology we have now, and as you were saying, you know, like across the board, people are like, this is going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. I mean, yeah, he's not Garrett Cole. He doesn't have that background, but he's 25 years old. And I think that's what people are falling in love with too, that, you know, he doesn't have 10 years of mileage on that arm. You know, he, I, I think when you look at, this is kind of a perfect winter for him to be on the free agent market. You know, you've got all these big teams in both New York teams and the Dodgers that need pitching that are salivating over him. And then you've got a, a whole second tier of teams. Uh, you know, we heard about Toronto and the Red Sox. And then you have a Giants team just desperate for a star that keeps getting spurned. And so really, to me, this is the perfect time for a guy like him to be on the free agent market. I think that's what's going to push this deal into the like little uncomfortable territory for whoever gets him. I keep thinking, too, if, uh, if Roki Sasaki posted he would probably get more than Yamamoto. He's also 22, and he's not likely to be posted. The deadline is December 15th. It's tomorrow. It's Friday. Uh, but it doesn't sound like his team is going to post think, him because they don't have to. 
Yeah, sometimes uh, with the posting process, it's like a political kind of a, a back and forth. And I think that by declaring that he wants to be posted, he makes it more likely he gets posted next season. You know what I mean? It's just like sort of a continual pressure cycle. They, the team can do what they want. They don't have to honor his wishes. However, if like it's known in publicly in the media in Japan that he wants to go, <laughs> like the, at some point they're going to post him. So I think this is more about long-term pressure than it is about actually getting posted this year. But yeah, Sasaki throws like, he sits like 98 or something and, you know, he's a little bit bigger of a body. Like he's, he, you know, he would be very exciting if he came over too. Yeah. But the Yamamoto sweepstakes could be nearing an end. It's just interesting that Otani has now kind of shifted into this role of recruiter along with his other superstar teammates uh, with the Dodgers. It seems to be the new uh, press they're putting on everybody. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The good news for the Giants, after missing out on Otani and making the same offer that he eventually took with the Dodgers, they get help in the outfield. Jung-Ho Lee is going on a six-year, $113 million deal. Britt, this feels like part one of two or three, right? We've talked about the Giants a lot on this show. I know the roundtable guys always talk about the Giants. What do you think this means for the Giants as far as getting other players in place like does getting one big domino finally get them some momentum after everything that happened with the carlos correa uh, fallout last year missing on aaron judge like is this finally a step in the right direction for the giants in free agency that will lead to other big names coming even if it's not top top of the market players they're no longer stuck in the two and three year deal type players the way they have been these last few winners yeah, I don't know if signing a guy like Lee all of a sudden makes like players say like let's go there. Part of the issue, I mean, part of it also is on Farhan for not wanting to offer those top deals, right? And then they got into the whole we need a star mode and then lost out on Judge and Correa and Otani and um I think Lee is a good signing. He's a contact guy. He doesn't he's not the star that they're looking for by any means. I think the Giants are a team that needs Yamamoto. I don't think they get Yamamoto. They need Yamamoto and then some, as you said. They need two or three more moves because, you know, having Bob Melvin as manager is great. That can't be the headline of your entire offseason. This is a team that has a lot of work to do. So it's encouraging that they're able to sign a foreign player and that, as you said, it's a six-year deal instead of these shorter deals. But I don't think this has too much of a domino effect. I think Yamamoto would have a domino effect. I think if they had gotten Otani, 
it would have a domino effect. But they're still looking for, and Andrew Baggerly has a great story up with Buster Posey um, about their free agent slump, he called it, which I thought was a, a great term for it. They're still looking for that one guy who says, I've got offers from all these other teams, but I'm picking San Francisco because I want to be here, right? Very. This doesn't feel like that. This doesn't feel like that, and that is what they need. They, they, they're looking for a Barry. Mm-hmm. There's still a few players like that, and there are and I mean, so many Bonds, other not teams that miss, <laughs> right? Yeah, because no, that that was a, a monumental signing for them back when it happened. I I, yeah. I totally understand that, but it's like, well, the Giants weren't the only big market team with deep pockets that missed out on Otani. There were plenty of other losers, and there are plenty of other losers yeah. for Aaron Judge last offseason, right? I think sometimes the Giants <laughs> get singled out because and Correa. I mean, but they had a lot of losses. But, sure, but, but, but teams never that think, close. Yeah, I also don't think that like I don't think it's fair to blame the city. I don't know if this is myopic because I I live here and I I love San Francisco. <laughs> I've I've loved it ever since I first landed in it in in 1987. So you know I, I don't I know that you know it has some issues. A lot of cities have issues, but I actually I don't I don't know that Otani chose the Dodgers over the Giants because of San Francisco. I know there was like some so. sort of no. like dancing around that and sort of you know insinuating that but that's that actually that narrative helps the people who are running the giants because they say well it's not our fault it's not <laughs> it's not because we're kind of a middling boring team that has had like one good season in the last eight it's like it's not because we don't have any stars and like you know we're not ch- turning out like we don't turn out bobby millers up here you know it's like no it's because because of the city because of the poop it's because of the poop, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's ridiculous. Like, it, it's a, it's a ridiculous <laughs> argument. I think you're right. I think it gives them an excuse when they miss. Yeah. Oh yeah, people don't want to come here. That's not it. Plenty of yeah. cities have issues, like you said. I, I think with Lee, he's a strange player in the sense that he's more of that throwback. Like Britt said, contact first, right? Really low strikeout rates in the KBO. Uh, we're talking about a guy that has questionable exit velocities in part because the strikeout rate is so low. Something we've talked about in rates and barrels over the years is that when you don't strike out a lot, you tend to run lower average exit velocity. You're going to put some because, squib hits out there. You're just going to yeah, put a gonna, lot more ducks. You're going to put more balls out there. Yeah, you're going to have these flares and, and these slap hits that aren't necessarily hard hit balls. That's going to happen. So the biggest question, digging into Lee, it, I saw on his Fangraphs page, they actually had the average fastball velocity that he was seeing each year in the KBO. And as many people know, velocity there is not the same as velocity in Major League Baseball. The range since 2020 was 88.4 to 89.4 as far as the average fastball velocity that Jung-Ho Lee saw in the That's KBO. That's like 20 years ago in the MLB. That's like four to five miles per hour less than what Luis Matos saw in his brief time in San Francisco. I just grabbed a random giant and was like, oh, right. what, what did this guy see? So the the big question will be against better fastballs what does lee do you know does he have the bat speed to catch up to that velocity i think most scouting folks think he'll be fine and when you look at some of the stuff that sports info solutions had in korea lee did a lot of damage against those fastballs he hit 358 with a 991 ops and 27 homers against fastballs since 2020 and they point out the difference in velo but their comp was jeff mcneil and looking at the numbers and how how <laughs> Lee gets there, gets to oh, really impressive possible. slash lines, that makes a lot of sense. It, if if you told Giants fans, you've got a, a Jeff McNeil that can play center field for half of the contract, that probably doesn't get more people to show up, but at least gives you an idea that the team got better. 
Yeah, and I as mean, as long I as those other moves come, you're okay with it. He's very likely to be an above average player, and they're paying around twenty million dollars a year, and that's what you know, that's what an average player gets. So they're hoping that the floor is average, they get an above average player, and it actually ends up being a good contract. But it's not. They didn't buy an all star. Like I, I very, I very much doubt it. There's some people throwing around Ichiro, and I'm like, ah, my comps are Brendan Donovan, uh, Jeff McNeil, Nico Horner. Uh, and then if you know if you want some Giants ones, Marco Scudero and Gregor Blanco, like these are the he's going to be a contact guy that hopefully this is the part that I'm most worried about. Hopefully plays good CF de- de- uh, defense. If he's actually a center fielder, then this will all work. If you get a Brendan Donovan in the outfield, who's kind of an outfielder that can play some center, they have that. They have Yastrzemski. They have Slater. They have all these guys that are tweeners. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, on his center field defense because, you know, yes, somebody who makes a lot of contact can help that lineup go. They can play him in different places, but they want to play him in center. And so that's where he fits this team best. But those comps, you know, yes, Luis Arias in center is one of the comps. Luis Arias is like kind of a unicorn. I mean, the closest you've got to Luis Arias is Jeff McNeil. He's had some bad seasons. So there's for every good comp, there's also Nick Madrigal in the corner outfielder that should make you, you know, that should make you shiver. I'm uh, I'm a little more optimistic than some of those lower end comps that you put out there. <laughs> Nick so, Madrigal uh, in the corners. That's the pessimistic. That's the worst case scenario. That's really pessimistic. But Britt. I was thinking about Lee as sort of a fallback option for teams that were interested in Cody Bellinger. And I think the things we know about Bellinger, we have more confidence in his defense and center field relative to Lee's. Uh, Lee's got a good enough arm to play right for what it's worth. So that's good. Being a right fielder instead of a left fielder, that kind of fortifies things. But with Cody Bellinger, we had the, the major shoulder injury, the wild swings in performance, the bounce back year during his lone year with the Cubs. I assume the final number on Bellinger is more than $113 million. Even if the years end up being the same, there's a possibility you got to go longer on years, though, too. So what do you think this means for Bellinger? And if you were choosing, if you were, you're calling the shots, who do you actually prefer given similar costs or the possibility of Bellinger even costing more? I take Lee. Now, if we're going for a short deal, if you could get Bellinger on a two, three-year deal, no question in my mind we're going Bellinger. A couple things about Bellinger make me nervous when you get into those longer contracts one as you mentioned the shoulder which took a very long time for him to get back to cody bellinger being cody bellinger and you don't know he's how that's gonna hold quite, up he's not even quite vintage bellinger either exactly no, he's, he's, he's a just, different version like he takes he took some of the best stuff from his profile in terms of lower k rates from like 2019 kind of brought that back and he doesn't hit the ball as hard as he used to at least he did in 2023 i guess it's possible yeah. that could come back to some degree but that's the big difference for me with Bellinger. It's like he doesn't yes. just scald the ball as consistently as he did at the beginning of his career. Also, we're not sure what's the outlier, what's the anomaly, right? Are people under the assumption that 2023 was the beginning of him continuing to at least do that? Was that the floor again of what he's going to do? Or is that an outlier? Because he yeah. had some really bad seasons too. So I feel like I'd like Bellinger on a two or three year deal, but some team mark my words, is going to overpay for Cody Bellinger. And it's going to be a real rough deal, I think, sooner rather than later. I like him. I think he's a good talent. I know there's a lot of teams after him, but it's one, it's a very weak position player bat class, which helps him, right? And two, 
if he's going to be had for, if he's looking for this long-term bigger payday, someone's going to give it to him. And if I'm the Giants, I'm feeling much better about a guy like Lee, who, as you guys said, probably going to be cheaper. You know, doesn't younger. have quite have those injury concerns, right? Younger, like the contact, like power fades quicker than contact as you age. Like, I don't know. I feel like he's the better bet right now because I don't want a six or seven year Cody Bellinger deal at all. Yeah, my my prediction is that Cody Bellinger gets close to 200 million and that uh, he goes to a team that has some money bur burning a hole in their pocket, a, a runner up for uh, for Shohei Otani. So I think he's going to go to the Blue Jays. I think he's going to mm. go to the Blue Jays and yeah. they're looking for a center fielder. They had Kevin Kiermaier. They're trying to move. Uh, they, you know, Springer's pretty much off center. So they're looking for a center fielder. I think they'll they'll install mm. Bellinger and I'm not sure it'll be a great deal. But in the short term, in the next two, three years, they're just looking to win in the next two, three years. So maybe it'll right. cause some pain for them after that. But maybe they're like, there's going to be some pain because we might not be able to sign Bo for, you know, as long as we want. And, you know, we're not even sure we want to sign Bo and Vlad for, you know, big extensions, given how up and down you know, some of their years have been. So, you know, maybe they're just predicting pain in three years. And so they're like, we'll give him six and we hope to win a championship in the next three. Um, but that's that's sort of what I see. I see the Giants as, uh, you know, doing the same thing they did with Lee, which is getting the second best uh, Japanese pitcher, uh, you know, just like they got the second best international, uh, uh, you know, position player. I think they'll get Shoto Imanaga, uh, who, you know, is really exciting, actually, and had some really great stuff numbers in the WBC. Uh, but he's 30, not 25. Uh, and he's a lefty. I think that's a, a good strategy for facing the Dodgers a lot. Um, you know, lefties, uh, are, are good. Maybe they'll get Snell instead of Imanaga. Um, but, uh, I'm sorry. It's Imanaga. I keep messing that up. But anyway, that's, that's my prediction for those two, uh, free agents. I think the Blue Jays situation is better right now than people give it credit for. I mean, you look by war, I think they're seventh best in Fangrass projections on December 14th. That's a pretty good place to be. Maybe the only concern is that two teams ahead of them are in the division with the Rays and the Orioles. But you know, Caitlin McGrath wrote a roundtable with Chad Jennings earlier in the week. And with Bo and Vlad Jr. coming up uh, on free agency. The Yankees aren't projected ahead of them? Not right now. Uh, they need pitching. The Yankees get uh, Yamamoto no, the Yankees, and changes the East. Yeah. No, the, Yan Yankees the Yankees are ahead of them. I got that wrong. Oh. Yankees are ahead. Orioles are not as of right now. Yeah, that's yeah. Kind that's of, the Orioles? That's the oh. Yeah, the Orioles, are, they're missing some pitching, I think, within their projection. They also once need you, pitching, yes. Once yes. you put pitching additions via trade or free agency on that roster, they're going to jump up into that same sort I think of I, I like cease for them, maybe. <laughs> they got to make a like trade. I don't see them spending big in free agency. But then somebody said that cease was off the market, so I'm not really sure. They got to trade mm. cease, don't, don't you? If Chris Getz is kind of talking that the GM meeting is like everyone's available. Um, I would take the opportunity yeah. to rebuild. I mean, I think that 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 system in Chicago is really hurting and they just need yeah. talent up and down. I is agree. there is there a path, though? I, I think the the YOLO approach, given the pressure on the front office, given the <laughs> timing of upcoming free agency with Bo and Vlad Jr., I think it makes sense for the Jays. I think like to Britt's point, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about year five, year six, year seven for a lot of players and Cody Bellinger, maybe a little more than most. But I don't care about years five, six, and seven if I can win in years one and two, right? That's just totally. the cost of getting a player like that. I think he does fit really well. So if you if you were to send Cody Bellinger to the Blue Jays, 
you'd probably need to get one more thing, but that's that's the money you would have spent on Otani, even though the deferments, you know, whatever. Let's just push that aside. Let's not get down that rabbit hole all the way. You're probably getting two players instead of one at or near the top of the market. What else would you want to do in addition to Bellinger to make this Blue Jays roster as dangerous as it can possibly be going into 2024? I mean, Matt Chapman being available to everybody else as a free agent kind of creates a glaring need at third base. Do you try to bring back yeah. Chapman or do you go cheap at third base and, and use some of that other money elsewhere? Hmm. Chapman is enticing. Again, If you like you said, if you're going to build a house of cards here that you know you, know, you got that window – and it's going to get real ugly. Then why not bring back Chapman, right? Not why? Why not push all your chips in and say, you know, we're going to have some lean years, but flags fly forever, which is true. You know, you win one, and fans are okay with you kind of taking a couple of years to rebuild it back up. For the most part, there are certain markets where uh, that almost never flies. But I think if you're the Blue Jays, you go out and you say, how can we make this? How can we make this team a super team? Because if Yamamoto comes to the Yankees. The Blue Jays may be the fourth best team, right? At least the third best team. If we're assuming the Orioles are going to trade for a starter, if you're Toronto, your time is now. You're not Baltimore. You don't have 10 years where you may be good, right? I think you get Chapman. I also take a good hard look at the relief market and see if you can turbocharge that bullpen. What about Josh Hader? Like you can never have enough good relievers. Like like make this make this a year where people who are upset about losing Otani say, you know what? The front office went out and they got really aggressive and they sprinkled around that Otani money. As you said, let's not pretend it's 2 million. Let's pretend it's closer to that 70 million mark. They sprinkled that around several players. And now the Blue Jays feel like they have a legitimate chance in the American League East. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, if they were going to sign Otani, you know, uh, they were probably the luxury tax hit is 46 million. That's that's what I was trying to say about the present yeah. value. So they were going to take a luxury tax hit of 46. If you look at where they are now, they're around 200 million. That means they would have gone into at least the first luxury tax apron. So they're OK with that on some level. Maybe it was just for Otani, but maybe they're just OK with that. And if they're yeah. OK with that, that means that they might have 40 million to spend. If they have 40 million to spend you know, 40, 45 million, actually, can they fit Bellinger, Chapman, and Jordan Hicks Ooh. into that umbrella? Yeah, I think you could probably do that, especially if you're willing to go even longer on the Bellinger deal. Yeah. Like, just think about some of the deals the Padres have signed, right? If you just say, well, we're going to give them eight years or nine years. Again, not because you think that age 36 Cody Bellinger is changing anything for your team. It's to reduce the impact of his salary on the present day to stay yeah. lower in that luxury tax structure, then Maybe I think you'll have could to squeeze cheap out on the reliever a little bit, yeah. Robert Stevenson or something. There's, there's right. Some, and you don't get hater. Yeah. Yes. You don't get that's hater. Okay. That's still, get, that's still very good. That would be, it's I think that would be a good way to, to kind of spend that money. And they've been pretty aggressive. You can look back <laughs> at this Jays team for the last three years. Like they have tried to do a lot to win yeah. in this window. So why, why back off now? You've gone this far just to keep that momentum yeah. going. 
Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. I feel like no one's talked about this yet, but what's next for the Angels? Like they they probably knew in their heart of hearts that this day was coming, right? Perry Manassian had a sense that there would be a life without Shohei Otani. And this team is a bit of a mess, as we've talked about many times. Perry Manassian's got a tough job. One, he works for Artie Moreno. So you're just getting constantly kneecapped trying to just build something that's sustainably good. How do you try to stay relevant building around a now 32-year-old Mike Trout with only six teams currently sitting with a lower war projection than you? The Royals, the Pirates, the A's, the White Sox, the Nationals, and the Rockies. That's it. Those are the only six teams that, as we sit today, have less war on that roster. What the heck is your path forward? How do you get people excited about Angels baseball and being very competitive in 2024 and possibly 2025? You sell the team. (laughs) (laughs) You kick the can down the road. (laughs) What's the only thing that could get Angels fans excited right now? Probably Artie Moreno saying, yeah, you know what? Let's put it back on the block. Though he did that, <laughs> dangled it, and then took it off the thing. So I don't know. I mean, listen, it, it feels like, did you guys see that they wouldn't let 
was it Chad Trace? Who was it? They wouldn't, they like squabbled over money on the bench coach situation for Ron oh, Washington. God. Uh, a nickel and dime. <laughs> was it Chad Trace? Nah, I can't think of who it is right now. Off the top of my head, I'm blanking. But this is just an example of what they do, right? You would think for a normal organization, they should have traded Otani, started to replenish, right? Kind of seen what was happening, like Derek said, reading the tea leaves a little bit. But what they're going to do instead is what they always do, chase one or two stars and then have no infrastructure. That is the Angels playbook. Like it or not, that's what they're doing. What should they do? You know, I mean, probably you can make the case, like, are they still trying to win with Mike Trout? Are they still trying to maximize his years or are they just going to let him? Right. Like, are they still trying to maximize while they have Rendon and Trout on that payroll? Because if so, then you go out and you upgrade the pitching because you lost Otani. And, you know, I think if you have those two guys healthy, then your lineup is good, right? I think you you look on the pitching side of things, which has long been their problem, even before they lost Otani. So um, that to me is kind of what you do. But I don't know if that is what Moreno is going to do, if he's instead going to see – what name or star he can add to this roster to go along with this guys and say, well, that's it. You know, I mean, I know they had to take that mural down, but it's felt sort of petty that they did it as soon as his Instagram post went up. Um, and not like, <laughs> like today. Like they had the trucks ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like fire them all on sil- all cylinders. Right. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to differentiate between what the angels should do and what we think the angels will do because those are almost never the same thing. You know, it's really unfortunate. I mean, what they should have done, as I said, is trade Otani, probably got a couple prospects back and say, how can we legitimately take care of this, right? Ask Anthony Rendon, do you want to play baseball or can we work out a deal so you just sail off into the night, right? And recoup like some of that money. Exactly. <laughs> so, right, like Mike Trout, do you want to win? Because we'll trade you somewhere. I think yeah. that they should honestly, and I know Perry Manation said this, but like, I think they should trade Mike Trout. Because he's the only piece that can bring back enough that they could actually reset. But that's just never gonna happen. So yeah, and I wonder, I end. wonder how much he'd bring back with the with that big of a contract attached to him, too. I mean, yeah. it's you know, it's it's a tough one to figure out. I mean, if they if they say, Well, we had 30 million dollars invested in Shohei Otani last year and we wanna, you know, at least want to spend that, then you know, they could go get Michael Waka. Uh no, sorry, Marcus Stroman. You know, for twenty-two million, maybe uh, I I, th- I could see them doing something like Hater because they have a terrible bullpen. But I just think that would be silly. Yeah. You know, I, I, maybe maybe they're in the market for Hicks. You know, that's a bullpen upgrade. You know, somebody that can pair with the Steves at the back of the bullpen, yeah. make it better. Um, Montgomery, you know. does Montgomery go there, or does he want to win after everything he went through with Texas? Jordan yeah, Montgomery, I don't know. I don't know. But you know, in right field, uh, they have the one of the worst projections for right field. So, you know, could they get Soler and Stroman? Uh, that's an interesting package because like, hey, we're upgrading our power in the outfield and we're uh, we've got a nice big power righty and uh, and we got a and we got a top of the rotation starter. And maybe they throw in, uh, you know, a Jordan Hicks, Robert Stevenson special to, to help the bullpen. And they they round out their thirty five million that they spent or whatever, uh, maybe 40 million. Um but how much better are they if they add all those guys by projections, if they add all those guys, they're like five wins better. And, right. you know, sort of eyeballing what five wins would do for them in the projections is move them from where they are now uh, to uh, above the pirates. 
it, it makes you them know, a wild card contender. To, it, all it, oh, all actually, it would move them. It would move them to around fifteenth. It would move them to like you know where the Padres, Guardians, and Diamondbacks are right now, middle of the pack. But there's so many players now. still available in free agency that just about everybody ahead of them is going to add three Wanna or add five one of those, wins. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So true, the, yeah. the whole thing's going to shift up. So you're going to make up yeah. some ground, but probably not enough ground. I think it makes you a fringy wild card team. I think they're just, yeah. they're caught right now. They're, they're in a bad spot. Like they're, unless they're going to be very sharp with the types of signings they make. I don't think the, the combination you outlined, you know, I don't think that does enough. I think they have to, they have to be the kind of team that aims high when they try and go get somebody at, I'll defend it forever. I thought the Anthony Rendon signing when it happened was good for them. I thought it was a good decision because I thought he'd age really well. And I thought he was past the injury stuff that plagued him at Rice. And it's been a disaster. And you're both right. It doesn't seem like he wants to be. Wait, he was off injured at Rice? Yeah, he was injured yeah. in college. He would have gone 1-1 in his draft class. Yeah, that's the problem is his body is so much that older history. than his age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it stayed pretty healthy with the Nationals to the point where you thought, okay, yeah. like he's just he's he's more durable than he was in college. Everything's great. Good defender, good hitter, should age well even if there's a power fade. Yeah, obviously that hasn't happened. So, I think if they're going to try and do anything and spend that money, it, be splashy, go get Blake Snell. Go get a guy that can be a top-end sort of starter as opposed to like a 2 to 3 war sort of ceiling pitcher because I feel like yeah. you're just chasing you're chasing your problems with more of the same if you don't go to the high impact level and maybe the high impact guys don't want to go there right now maybe when you've got other options you say yeah you know southern california is nice but i can go somewhere else with a better chance to win and then maybe that works against them for the foreseeable future because it doesn't it doesn't seem like a great place to be compared to some of the other teams that are comfortable spending right now yeah already Moreno. that's a total already Moreno signing blake snail the guy who just want to sign young that's a good pick dvr um, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And then, you know, you'd have to skimp in the other places, but skimping in the corner outfield and in uh, the uh, in the bullpen, is that actually that bad of a situation? I mean, some of these names uh, may frighten you, but, uh, you know, Adam Duvall is going to get less than 10 million a year. Tommy Pham is out there. Uh, Joey Gallo, you could try to, you know, resuscitate that career. Uh, you could just bring Renfro back. Uh, those are all sort of you know, seven to $10 million deals, according to fan graphs, uh, when it comes to, uh, outfielders and then, you know, relievers, uh, you know, down market, uh, you've got some interesting guys. I mean, uh, you could get a Chapman, you know, <laughs> like Chapman might get a one and eight deal. So, uh, you know, pay a little bit more for the top end guy and then add a couple uh, smaller deals after that. Uh, that actually sounds like a, a an interesting way forward for Perry. That that bullpen definitely needs some work. And uh, just comparing this to the, the Royals, I saw in the windup, the newsletter today, the Royals have actually been doing a lot. Not yeah. only <laughs> they added Eno's guy, Seth Lugo, three for 45 in the rotation. They traded for Nick Anderson. They signed Will Smith and Chris Stratton. They took Matt Sauer in the Rule 5 draft. That's five new pitchers that they brought in to that entire group. That's something. I, I don't think it makes them a playoff team or anything like that, but... It's that sort of depth that the Angels need to go pursue. They need multiple pieces in that group of relievers if they're going to get that to be like a league average group going to 2024. Yeah, I like what the Royals are doing uh, under J.J. Piccolo. I mean, very quietly here, um, they've been targeting this offseason as one to start to spend. 
and they are doing that. I mean, a lot of their success because of their market and who they are is going to come from within. But, you know, I think, you know, they have it in their mind that they're going to compete this year, that they're not going to be a doormat. And, you know, you know, they're not going to go out and, and win the central. But I think it's important for them to take that step forward in 2024. And that these are the kind of moves that are going to do that for you. I think the central is possible you know i mean it's it's not it's not one of the best divisions i don't want to i'm not making a a bold prediction that they'll win the central but pascantino's coming back and you know they do have a bunch of young players like mj melendez um michael massey um you know you know younger guys that are coming up behind them um you know that i think you know could take a step forward um and, and help this team you know i think bobby witt might have another gear even um you know so you know, there's some there's some interesting players on the position side and they really needed pitching. And I like that they've they've sort of targeted, you know, pitchers that seem undervalued. You know, Seth yeah. Lugo is an above average uh, mid rotation starter and they got him for three and 15 at a time when, you know, you're paying one and 15 basically for a bounce back. You know, yeah. if you want. If you want Lance Lynn, Severino, would you rather have Lance Lynn or Seth Lugo? I mean, uh, my answer is clear. (laughs) Yeah, I I know how you feel about that one. uh, (laughs) Overwhelmingly, Seth Lugo, even even at three and and 45. But uh, good for the Royals. Let's see them making some moves. Felt that they deserved at least a mention here at the end of this show. Uh, On our way out the door, uh, a reminder, you can actually get a special on giving the gift of The Athletic. A one-year subscription is just $19.99 at theathletic.com slash baseball show. There's a two-year option for $39.99. So it's an extra penny, but probably worth it since, you know, future value and all that, as we talked (laughs) about a little bit earlier. Time value Uh, of money. Time value of money. It's the new theme. You can find (laughs) us on Twitter, at Brit underscore Drilly, at Enoceras, at Derek Van Riper. That's going to do it for us. We are back with you in two weeks. Frog's got the green light here. Green.